today's scripture is found in the book of Titus, starting with chapter 3. You may follow along on the screens behind me. Remind the people to be subject to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready, to do whatever is good, to slander no one, to be peaceable and considerate, and always to be gentle toward everyone. At one time we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of righteousness righteous things we have done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that, having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. This is the trustworthy saying, and I want you to stress these things, so that those who have trusted in God may be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. These things are excellent and profitable for everyone. But avoid foolish controversies and genealogies and arguments and quarrels about the law, because these are unprofitable and useless. Please pray with me. Lord God, help us turn our hearts to you and hear what you will speak, for you speak peace to your people through Christ our Lord. Amen. Good morning. You guys look great. Anybody tell you that today? Good job. You look fantastic. So we're going to continue the sermon series on 2020 Vision, the message series we've been doing for the last few weeks. And you probably noticed I don't have 2020 Vision, which is why I need these glasses. But you know what? These glasses give me 2020 Vision. And so we're kind of looking at, you know, what is the thing that God calls us to be about? As followers of Christ, as disciples, as the church, this church, First Covenant, Salina, Kansas, What's the Lord's vision for us and for us to be serious about that and be focused on that as if we have 2020 vision, 2020 vision from him? So do you know that we all have a story to tell? Those that know Christ as Savior can recount many times where the Lord has encouraged you or um, helped you or protected you or supplied your needs or answered your prayers or blessed you or gave you what you needed or, and by grace did not give you what you deserved. Paul, in this letter to Titus that was just read, he could be talking to each one of us. And in fact, I think he is. Still, the words are true today. He tells us to be subject to the rulers and authorities, to be literally model citizens wherever God places us as Christians, as followers of Christ, and be to be ready to do good, to be kind and, and considerate and to be humble. Well, why does he call us to do those things? Well, I think he addresses the why question in verses 3 through 5. So let's go back and look at that again. Paul goes on, he says, At one time, we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But when the kindness and the love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. This is God's great story. Paul summarizes God's story of salvation to all who've trusted in Christ as our Savior. This is God's great story. His story that leads to changed lives. Lives that we have experienced change in. And our lives have been changed because of what Christ has done for us and what he is doing for us in our lives today. And each one of us has a story that we can tell. Each of us has something that we can say about our relationship with God. Each of us needs to know our story, to be able to share it. And most Christians 
cannot tell their story to others about what God has done in their life, or they're not willing to do that, to risk that. Too many Christians forget where they came from. Most Christians will do some of the following. They'll begin to disengage from unbelievers over time. They'll stop hanging out with them. They forget where they came from. They, they appear, they think, like they've never struggled with anything. So they also don't avoid foolish conversations that Paul warns us about. Too often Christians engage in unprofitable and useless arguments and quarrels. Churches have even split over these kind of useless quarrels that, that even unsaved look at the church and they, they think that, you know what, this is foolish, it's stupid. Too often Christians engage in foolish conversation and it hurts our Christian witness to, to be able to the rest of the world when that happens. But Jesus emphasizes we need to make sure that we're focused on the main things, the priorities in his vision. So John 13, 35, Jesus tells us this. He says, by this, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. He's calling us back to the foundation of our faith, to love. And then he goes on, he says in Matthew 22, 37 through 40, he says it in a different way. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And this is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. So he's reminding us. It's really about loving God with all of our heart, with everything, and loving our neighbor as ourself. So what does this have to do with with Titus chapter 3? Well, everything. He's calling us to love God with all that we can and love our neighbors, but also to be a representative of Christ where you live. Paul tells us that he's given us this great story, that God has given us this great story to tell others. And he says it in another passage in in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning uh, in verse 19. This is the way Paul describes it in 2 Corinthians. He says, he, Jesus, or the Lord, has committed to us the message or the story, God's story of reconciliation. And we are therefore Christ's ambassadors. We're Christ's, we're his representatives, wherever God places us. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. So God has given us his story of reconciliation, his message of reconciliation. He calls us as his representatives to share that story, that good news with other people. So we need to be be ready to tell our story. And what does God mean to you? And so the message is really just kind of a one-point message, and we're going to look at it from some different perspectives. So we need to be ready to tell our story. Most of us have come to Christ because someone else played a part in our story at some point, didn't they? I want you just to reflect for a minute. Who was the most influential person in you coming to faith in Christ? Think about Who is that? You know, for a lot of people, it's not just one person. It might be a series of people who helped kind of bring us to that place where we had faith in Christ. Um, And so for me, the most influential person was a youth leader. But there were also other people that were pretty influential in the process as well. There was an assistant principal at South High School that had a major influence on me. I was a Sunday school teacher that had an influence. My mom had an influence. And there was a pastor at the church that we were attending when I was a child that really had a major influence on me. And each of them invested in me, and they shared some of their story about faith with me, and then they would share God's story with me. And there was a factor for all of us who have faith in Christ that at some point our life was moving in one direction, but we stopped. Something caused us to stop and turn and toward God and to seek God in faith. 
So somebody or something causes us to stop and turn around. And if somebody could change, be changed, if only you would be willing to walk across the room or make a phone call or make yourself available, would you do it? Would you be willing? Time and, a time, time, and time again, Jesus was that kind of person, wasn't he? He was willing to walk across the room or walk across the street to take a step, help to take a risk, to take the step of faith and reach out into the lives of people all around him. And he reached out with his unending compassion and love for everyone that he came in contact with, with children, with women, with men, with the sick, with the hurting, with those that were lost. We look at at stories all over the Gospels, right? Stories of people whose lives were changed in a different direction because of what Christ did, what he shared with them, or how he treated them as people. In John chapter 9, we see a story about how Jesus heals a blind man, a man who'd been blind his whole life. And the blind man had a story to tell, didn't he? And it's simply summarized by, he said, I once was blind, but now I see because of what Christ did for me. We see he heals a leper in Luke chapter 5, and he asks him to stay quiet about it. He's not supposed to go tell anybody, but the guy can't do that. Instead, we're told in the text that he goes out and he begins to talk freely, spreading the, good, the news about Jesus and what Jesus had done for him. He didn't do what Jesus asked him to do, but how can you blame him? He had an amazing story to tell other people, didn't he, about what Jesus had done. Jesus didn't just walk across the room or just walk across the street. There are times he literally would walk across the country to help someone, right? He'd walk across the country even to give them a new and a hopeful story. Think about the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman that we see in John chapter 4. Christ told her eventually about the living water that he would offer to her and to anyone else. And she was amazed by all the things that he was telling her. So amazed that she went into town and she told everybody in town about this man that she met at the well. And she asked the question, I wonder if he's the Christ. He told me everything about my life that, that no one would ever even know. And she asked, invited everyone to come back and see him and meet him. And she had a story to tell, didn't she? And we're told that many Samaritans in that town that day believed in Jesus because she invited them to come and to see him. Each of us have a story to tell. If someone could, could only be changed if you were willing to walk across the room and tell them your story, would you do it? The first thing you might think is, gosh, I wouldn't know what to say, right? I would do it, but I don't know what to say. It's not about technique or about methods. It has everything to do with taking a genuine interest in another person. All you need to do is to venture out of your comfort zone and allow the Holy Spirit to direct you and to guide you in that conversation. I heard a pastor recently estimate that we walk about 115,000 miles in a lifetime. I'm like, wow, that's impressive, 115,000 miles. But then he went on to say, would we, be, would we be willing to walk 20 feet to take 10 steps across the room to be able to share our story with someone, to be able to help someone be impacted for eternity? Would you put away your pride? Would you conquer your fears and impact someone for the kingdom of God? How would you answer that? Would you say, yes, I would? Or would you, in your mind, are you saying, no, I don't think I could. I don't think I'm willing. Most people think they have to be a biblical scholar in order to share their faith, but, but we really don't. We have a story to tell. What if they ask a question I don't know? Or what if they make fun of me? Well, it's your story. They may ask you a question, but you're going to know the answer to your story. 
If they make fun of you, well, there's other times people make fun of us. It's not just whenever we tell them a faith story. There are two stories that we should be willing to tell, each of us. Your faith story and then God's good news story, his great story. Jesus was the greatest story that ever lived, I think. I mean, he was able to take our fascination of stories and apply principles to our lives, right? And kids love stories, don't they? Good stories especially. And if you read them a good story, what do your kids say to you when you're done reading a good story? Read it again, right? I mean, there's certain stories. My kid, they would ask me to read a story ten times again and again. And, you know, they just loved it because a story allows us to draw conclusions, right? And it, and it takes someone to a place they've never been before. And then my kids would pretend that they were their favorite character. So the story helps us to draw conclusions, which turn into principles in life. In life. And Jesus takes objects like mustard seeds and trees that bear fruit and lost coins and lost sheep. And he would deliver principles and bring life and things that point us to God's greater plan, God's greater story. I can be found like the lost son, right? God can really be good like the good shepherd. God can really meet my needs like he did the widows. If God can do that for others, can he do it? He can do it for me probably. God can heal, right? We learn things like God can transform. God can change circumstances. Do you get it? The greatest thing that you can do for someone is not to show them how smart you are about the Bible, even though you sh- we should know our Bibles. The greatest thing that we can do for someone is to share their, our story with them, our story of faith. So not only does, does God have a story, but you have a story as well. You have a powerful story. And your, your job is to tell it well. Do you believe that you have a powerful story to tell? If you've come into faith in Jesus Christ, then you have an amazing story, a wonderful, redemptive story to tell. Here's why that's true. Regardless of how old you were when you came to faith, you were different before Christ and you're different now after Christ, right? And then Christ came into your world. He came into our world and he beautifully and wonderfully wrecked it with things like grace and mercy, and love, and forgiveness. And we've got a great story that we can tell. And once you're committed to becoming a person who walks across the room, God is going to open some doors, right? Spiritually speaking, especially when we demonstrate his radical love and we accept people and we meet them where they're at, he's going to open doors for us. And in that moment, you'll have an opportunity to tell your story. And it's going to be an opportunity to paint a picture of your life, a before Christ picture and an after Christ picture. Things like, you know, I once was discouraged, but now I have hope because of my faith in Christ. I once was fear-stricken, but now I'm confident. I once was discouraged, but now I'm hopeful. You know, my own story, simply, I would say, you know, I was discouraged, but now, you know, I'm encouraged because of my relationship, what I've learned through my relationship in Christ. I once felt like I was lonely and isolated. But, you know, when I, when I came to faith in Christ, uh, I, I quickly found a group of friends that were genuine and authentic and, and just really incredible people. And this community of faith became a great place for me to have wonderful relationships. You know, I once didn't feel very good about myself. I was kind of down on myself. But when I had faith in Christ and I came to Christ, you know, what I learned about myself was how much God loved me. And how he had created me in a unique and a special way. And he'd given me gifts and talents and, and resources. And, you know, and just again, knowing how much God loves me. It made me feel better about myself. That's my story. Your, your before and your after story doesn't have to be more complicated than this. 
It just has to be simple, humble, succinct, and true. And those things are important when we tell our story to other people. Great, good stories are great to listen to, aren't they? But have you ever heard a bad story? What makes it bad? Well, there's a few things that make it bad. There can be a whole long list of things that make it bad. Our daughter, when she was younger, a young child, she loved to tell stories. She loved words in and of themselves. You know, like the average guy uh, will use 5,000 words in a day. My daughter, I would say 50,000 words. She loved to talk. She would tell stories. But you know what? She wasn't a great storyteller when she was younger. I mean, in fact, she would frustrate the other three of us in the family. And especially if we were in the car and we were on a ride somewhere, she'd like want to tell us a story. And then it'd be like 15 miles down the road. And we'd be like, get to the point of the story. Where are you going with this? And she'd be like, oh, I forgot. What was I talking about? She couldn't even remember what she, you know, what she was trying to talk about. That's not a good story. So if it's too long, it's not good. Okay. Being unprepared to tell a story is not so good either. A lack of enthusiasm or belief in your story as you tell it, that doesn't make a great story. So, like, as Christians, we, won't, we don't want to be like Eeyore. You know, like Eeyore from Winnie the Pooh. You remember how he talked? Oh, woe's me. You know, if we tell a story like that, do you think people are going to be excited to hear our story? Probably not. So your story, your greatest gift to others, should be brief. You shouldn't use a lot of Bible jargon or spiritual language that they don't understand. Just use everyday practical words people can relate to. Don't make the story about how you became a super saint, but you forgot to tell about what your life was really like before you came to Christ. So here's some suggestions about how to shape your story. First of all, what was your life like before Christ? What was missing in your life? What needs did you have? Second would be, how did you come to faith in Christ? What caused you to make a decision to turn and look and seek Christ and make a decision to follow him? Third would be, what difference has Christ made in your life? What is Christ doing in your life today? How is he working? What has he done? And then just some suggestions. Again, make it brief, understandable, and be enthusiastic. That makes a great story, and it's your story. So what people, what people really want to know is they really want to know is how has Jesus made a difference in your life? They watch your life. People do. And if they, if they like what God is doing in your life, they're going to ask you about that, and they're going to want to have that in their life. God uses people to share your, their story. And while they're, the people are listening to the story, to your story, God begins to break down their barriers that they have to have a relationship with him. And they, they begin to be open to receiving what God might have for them. And so when you share your faith story, at the end of the story, I would always encourage you to ask for a response from the person. You can transition to being able to tell them about how they can also fit into God's greatest plan for their lives. It becomes personal because you've made it personal. And so if nothing else that you get out of today's message, I would want you to get this this morning. Write it down. Write your story down. Take time. Don't write a long story. Just write a, a short story about your faith story. The greatest witness that you can be to others is to tell them briefly, clearly, enthusiastically what God has done in your life. You say that you don't know what to say. That's why we need to be prepared. That's why we need to know what to say. When God puts somebody in your path, that's not the time to wonder, what should I say? If we've written that story, we understand our story, we know our story, then we're ready to share it. You share the story you know. 
It's not the time to tell the weirdest kind of experience that you've had with God and how you saw an angel in, a, in your toast one time. That's not the time to tell that story, okay? You tell them what Christ means to you. Paul tells us in this passage, he says, be a model citizen. Make the gospel attractive to those who do not know Christ by your actions, by how you live. He tells you to devote yourself to doing what is good. And devote means to make something your primary concern. He tells us to avoid foolish conversations. Restrain yourselves from foolish things. One translation puts it this way. It says we should be ready to be good so that we might not lead useless lives. Ready to show the love of Christ to the community. And and when we are showing the love of Christ in the community, we won't be useless. We'll be useful to the kingdom in spreading the gospel and sharing our story and God's story with people. I've mostly been been talking about sharing our salvation story, you know, how we how we came to faith in Christ. And each of us has a salvation story, one salvation story, but we probably have dozens of faith stories um, that we can tell someone. Sometimes the Holy Spirit prompts me to tell a faith story, not my salvation story. So let me give you an example. I had a friend when I was first out of college in my first job, and uh, he was a single guy, and he was struggling uh, with not being able to find a wife. He was really kind of getting anxious about that. His girlfriend of many months had just broken up with him, so he was a little distraught about that. But even more than that, he's just kind of generally stating that he had been frustrated because he couldn't find the right woman to be his wife. And, and I was able to share a faith story, not my salvation story, but a faith story. So when I was in college, I, I was a believer. I didn't necessarily say that to him. I just started out and said, you know, when I was in college, uh, I was kind of hoping to find a life partner myself. And I was really focused on finding the right woman. And I, I spent some time my freshman and sophomore year going out on a lot of dates. And I just was really having a hard time finding the right woman. And it seemed like every girl that I went out with that I was interested in developing a relationship with, she gave me the friend sign. You know, I just want to be your friend. I call it the, the Heisman friend. I just want to be your friend. And so, and the girls that were interested in me in developing a relationship, I just wanted to be their friend. And so at the end of my sophomore, towards the end of my sophomore year, I was kind of like, oh my, I was kind of getting frustrated and somewhat anxious. And I went to a college fellowship group meeting. And that night I heard a guy give a message about seeking God first, making God a priority in your life and trusting that God is going to take care of the rest. And it really spoke to me. And I remember walking out of that meeting, realizing that I really hadn't made following Jesus the highest priority in my life. And so I, I said, you know what, I, I really just need to focus on that and trust God for everything and just kind of leave it up in God's hands. And so I began to do that after that message. And within a couple of weeks, my life was really just calm as can be, peaceful, like life was in a groove and I was just really enjoying life. I told my friend that story, and I asked him at the end of that story, I said, can you relate to anything that I shared with you? And he told me a couple of things that he connected with. And then I asked him the question, I said, would you like to learn about how Jesus can help you with your challenges as well? And he said he did. And so we actually, what we did is we began a Bible study about 30 minutes before work on one day a week. And we just kind of read through parts of John, and we talk about it, and we talk about life, we talk about Jesus, and it just became a great conversation, and it led to some really cool spiritual conversations but that wasn't my that wasn't my salvation story but it was a faith story that i felt like the holy spirit gave me to say be able to share with this guy and and connect with him so here's the rest of the story five months later when i was in college after i made that decision this really cute girl that i knew asked me out to go on a party with her to her dorm 
barn party, and that was, that's my wife. So I didn't ask her out. She asked me out. So you'll have to learn more about the story later on. <laughs> Let me just say, you know, I'm not sure. Uh, uh, maybe Diane was uh, really had concerns about me or was compassionate towards me. It was more grace than anything else, probably. Sometimes some people need to hear our salvation story. But sometimes they need to hear a faith story that relates to them. And so how do you know, right? Well, the Holy Spirit will prompt you what type of story is needed in, in, in each situation. But no matter what story you share, I would just encourage you to ask for a response from the person. You can ask them simple questions like, can you relate to anything that I shared? If so, how? Do you have any questions? Have you sensed God at work in your life in some way at some point? If so, how? Would you like to hear more about Christ? They'll let you know if they want to know more or learn more, or they might just politely say, no, I'm good, and that's okay. Then just keep going on with your conversation and with the day. But here's why I want you to respond to the message this morning. Here's your application. So on the back of your worship guide, turn it over. Look at it. It has the church's email address on it. It's not only on the back of your worship guide, it's also on the screen behind me. It's office at fccsalina.com. So this week what I want you to do from this message is I want you to go and write your story in 200 words or less. 200 words or less. Did you hear that? 200 words or less. Be brief and to the point. Here's the three suggestions again when you shape your story. What was your life like before Christ? What, how, have you, how did you come to faith in Christ? How has Christ changed your life? Just those three simple questions. So then I want you to do, after you write the, the story in 200 words or less, is send me an email. Send it to that email that's up on the screen or the one that's on the back of the worship guide. And uh, just in the subject line, write my story. I'm all ears. I want to hear the stories. Or I'm all eyes. I want to read the stories. I'm going to give you a little grace. 250 words or less. Anything more than 250 words? If it's a windy email, I'm not reading it, okay? So, here's the thing. Doug and I are going to read all those emails, and we're going to get, oh, we're going to get a hundred of them, right? I don't know how many you guys are going to do, but I want to challenge you. If you can't write your story, it's probably going to be hard for you to share your story when God gives you an opportunity to share something. So go ahead and take the challenge now. I also put it in the life group questions this week. And so if you're in a life group, you're going to have the opportunity at the end of that life group to share your story, your simple story, 200, 250 words or less. It's a great place to try it. It's a great place to practice it. You've got a group of people who love you, who care about you. It's a safe place. Great place to try it, okay? So I asked Doug and I asked Jim before the services today, how many responses do you think we're going to How many stories do you think we're going to get? Jim said he thought 75. Doug, you know, he heard that. He said, I have to have more faith than Jim. He said 93. And I listened to both of them and I said 100 because I got more faith than those guys have. (laughs) So I want to challenge you, though. Write your story. Send it in. We'll offer you, you. If we read it, we think, you know, oh, man, that's a little too wordy or it's too theological or... You know, we're going to offer maybe some gentle suggestions. Mostly we're just going to encourage you to say, good job. Man, thank you for sharing that with us. So hopefully a lot of you are going to take the challenge. Somebody's eternity might be changed because you took the time today or this week to write your story and prepare yourself to share it. If you don't have an email, you know, just write it out by hand and you can mail it in or you can bring it in. Stories change the world. Stories change the world. 
You have to understand the power of your story. You were once lost, and now you're found. You were once discouraged, now you have hope. You were once maybe spiritually blind, but now you can see. Maybe you were spiritually sick, but now you're healthy. You know, your stories are powerful. It's the kind of stuff that brings the world to its knees. Your story may just change all of eternity, even if it's just for one person. In fact, your story may be the only one who someone is far away from God is willing to listen to. Never underestimate the power of story, your story, in the life of another person. It may be what gives another person hope or comfort, maybe a glimpse of the grace of Jesus. God has done a great thing in your life, and only you can tell that story. Let me pray. Father, we thank you, first of all, for your story that's come to us through your, your word, also through the testimonies of people who've been in our lives. God, we're grateful for this incredible story of your love for us, your grace, your compassion, that Christ was willing to take our flesh on. Come, become one of us to die for us, even though he had made no mistakes, that he was perfect, blameless. He was willing to die on the cross for our sins, for our failure. God, that in the power of the resurrection, the power of your love is displayed for all the world to see so that we too might have new life, life that is changed for all of eternity. God, we're so thankful. God, help us to remember our own story of faith, how you so graciously came to us and, and, and our lives were intersected by you and, and then have been changed because of what Christ has done for us. God, help us to remember that story, to practice that story, to tell that story. May we be found faithful as your representatives, as your ambassadors who've been given the message of reconciliation the good news of Christ and salvation that has come through him. God, help us. Help us to trust in the power of the story that you have created in and through us. And then lead us, God, through your Holy Spirit. May we be found faithful. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.